Welcome in to Two for One Drafts. This is Austin Gale with my co-host, Mike Renner. We are talking your big board update today. Mm. We have a big board update live on PFF.com where Mike Renner lists his top 100 players as of right now. entering. You're expected to enter the 2020 NFL Draft. A lot of good names on that one. We're going to talk risers and fallers on that big board. And then we're also going to get into our normal Thursday podcast segments. We have a little what's on tap. Talk about some of the best prospect matchups to watch. Wake Forest Clemson. It's a 34 and a half point spread. But I really do think this game's going to be closer, and I think there's a ton of prospect matchups to yeah, You're getting excited game. here right before this. I know. Year. I logged into Bavada, and I dumped my mortgage on there. It had to happen. It just has to happen. Draft special is another segment we do where we talk about some of the top rookie matchups to watch on Sunday. And then we're also going to chug a prospect, a latest injury in that Wake mm-hmm. Forest, on that Wake Forest team. We're going to chug a prospect, get to that. A lot of fun stuff, but... Let's get into this big board. Top 100 names. First, let's start with some of the risers. First guy you got to bring up. This guy's been a riser since week one. Above average Joe, Joe Burrow of LSU, comes off of beating Alabama, rises. Number one overall player in the 2020 class. His advanced ball placement chart. So we do advanced ball placement charting here at PFF, where we track every throw on every play, uh, whether it was, you know, where the ball was thrown. It, just because it was completed does not mean it was an accurate pass. Bingo. Uh, Joe Burrow's accuracy, though, in terms of where the ball is being placed, is unlike anything we've ever seen in our charting so far, you know, doing this for as long as we've been doing this. 75.3% of his attempts this year have been called accurate via mm-hmm. our charting in good ball placement. That's 8% more than the next closest quarterback in all of college football. Wow. And that's Washington State's Anthony Gordy and the offense he's playing in was a lot more conducive, a lot more underneath stuff to accurate ball placement. Burrow's throwing the ball down the football field, average up the target around 10 yards downfield, which is high by even college standards would be high by NFL standards as well. He's just doing things. You even go to last year, a uh, guy like Tua Tagovailoa, when he was at his best last year, 65.5. He's over 10 percentage points higher than Tua was last year when he was playing very well. This is absurd what we're seeing from him. I, I think to call anyone else the number one player in this class right now would just be a disservice to what Burrow is doing at the quarterback position. I got to jump on those accuracy percentage numbers you brought up. I looked at in the same filters you're kind of looking at, but I looked at only throws 10 or more air yards down the field, those Mm -hmm. downfield throws where we see Joe Burrow excelling. He leads all college football quarterbacks with at least 50 targets of 10 plus air yards and accuracy percentage at 65.2%. The guy at second, 55%. 10% better than the next closest quarterback. Kyler Murray last year was only like 53. There you go. Good context there. And another thing I like to look at there too is how many of those, I know we chart how many are accurate, but I also want to know how many of those are uncatchable. Some are inaccurate, maybe a little mm-hmm. high, but not as accurate as you'd want them. But the completely uncatchable, he ranks second behind Tyler Huntley of Utah in percentage of those passes being uncatchable. That is great accuracy, and that's what you need in the NFL. And he's faced, so this isn't a guy tearing up you know, Mountain West. He's not tearing up Conference USA. He's faced two of probably the top five secondaries in the country in Florida and Alabama on his schedule already. Two out of his nine games were against you know, as hard a matchup as you'll see in college football, and he's still that accurate with the football. He's still finding those guys down the football field, making the right decisions with the ball. Every single game this year, he's had a completion percentage over 70%. Mm-hmm. Every single game. Like, there's no... At this point, if you want to call it, you can still be you know, skeptical that it's going to continue. You can still be skeptical because he has put bad on tape as recently as a year ago. But I think if we just if you never had seen that, there would be no there would be no conversation at this point. If, mm-hmm. if he hadn't played any football before this year, you know, hadn't put anything on tape, there'd be no conversation. He'd be, you know, surefire number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. There would be no debate at this point. So I do think to some degree you can throw that out the window. He is who he is right now. And it's a, a damn good quarterback. And I want to add more, even more context to those accuracy numbers we put out. You look at Justin Herbert of Oregon. He ranks 47th on that list with just 40.4 percent of his passes of 10 or more air yards as accurate. Trevor Lawrence, 40.5% just above him. Jake Fromm, 41.5%. Just Joe, Joe Burrow is 65% accurate on those throws of 10 plus air yards. This guy's legit. And I'm glad you brought up the fact because like you have these like one year wonders like a Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, who they didn't play before, but when the first time they did get the opportunity, they were on fire. Mm-hmm. Burrow does ha- too. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky <laughs> too. <laughs> but Burrow's a little bit different because he you know he just improved so significantly yes. going into this year. But I think that makes the evaluation 
even better, too, because I know you wrote in a piece recently talking about Joe Burrow and how we saw this in bursts before yes. this year. Like there were some games where he earned 90 plus PFF passing four, rates. Yeah, it was games. there inconsistent, but it was there. And now it's as consistent as ever. He has some of the high one of the higher floors in this in this class um, from at the quarterback position. I am really impressed with Joe Burrow. Love that he's number one overall on our board and um, look forward to continuing to watch this guy play. I, I was going to say, I just don't think um, I don't think I can be convinced to I can, I can be convinced to put two a ahead of him at some point, depending on how the end of the season goes. But I don't think I can be convinced to not think he's going to be a franchise quarterback next mm-hmm. level. He's going to be either one or two on our board uh, when it's all said and done. I don't, I don't think he can drop lower than that. I don't really care what he puts on tape the rest of the year. We've seen enough. I am pretty feel pretty comfortable in him being there. What if he goes to the combine, though, and has a Jakai polite level <laughs> and just talks like they, they were asking me what was wrong with me and I got nothing. Oh, man, that would be rough. And does he like Swedish fish? Is he addicted <laughs> to Swedish fish? Because Jakai polite yeah. was, had to wrap from that not mm-hmm. easy i'll tell you right now not easy uh he's being addicted to anything mm-hmm. it's not great. years old probably not gonna be good for your draft stock uh, all right, let's move forward here. Yeah. <laughs> let's move forward here. Great stuff on Joe Burrow. Let's talk about another riser. Boise State edge defender Curtis Weaver. And I think a lot of draft pundits like this guy have seen that he's been dominating against Mountain West competition. What I love most about him, and I think I've pounded the table this a couple times, is he's very a very versatile defensive lineman that can mm-hmm. win as a pass rusher from an interior alignment and an edge alignment right now among um, – all edge defenders with at least 200 pass rush snaps. So um, Chase Young removed from that conversation. He mm-hmm. leads all college football prospects, or all college football players in pass rush win, uh, pass rush grade at 93.3. This guy's legit. Great production. Love what we're seeing from Weaver. Yeah, it's not just that he dominates Mountain West Conference. It's that he wins every time he goes up against anyone. Like mm-hmm. So far this year, no one's even come close to blocking him in one-on-one situations anywhere near consistently. He has 26 combined sacks and hits on the year. That's three more than anyone else in college football. 14 sacks, 12 hits, third straight season of double-digit sacks. At that point, it's not like... Yes, some guys feast on bad competition and then disappear against other competition. He just he's feast on everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, I think he is going to test well enough too. He's not not a fantastic athlete. He's no Chase Young by any means, but he's going to test more than well enough that he's going to be able to produce at an NFL level. Uh, yeah, I, I just feel very confident that Weaver at this point will be a productive NFL player and and has the tools to do so. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. Let's move forward here. Let's talk about another riser here. Josh Jones of Houston, the offensive tackle for them. He got invited to the senior bowl. He comes in at number 27 on your latest big board. Talk to me about this kid. Yeah, I, I just keep every time I watch him play, I just keep thinking, why? Why am I not hiring him? Like, why? What's wrong with putting him in the first round conversation he has the size he has the length he has the athleticism to play tackle at the nfl level and he just produces game after game after game is not getting beaten yes the competition is not great did face oklahoma washington state earlier this year and also a good uh edge defender in tulane and uh patrick johnson so far so he's at 27th like i, I think he is a legit nfl Offensive tackle, senior bowl is going to be huge. He, he could push his way up towards the you know top fifteen mm-hmm. of this class with a good performance at the senior bowl, and I fully expect him to. I, I, I love his hands, uh, and like I said, I love his mirror ability. He has all the tools necessary to be a top offensive tackle prospect. So I think he's a guy who will turn some heads there down in Mobile. I'm mean, probably one of the prospects I'm most excited to see. We'll we'll do a senior bowl pod preview sort of pod later on. Uh, the season when all the invites do get sent out and all, you know, we know who is all there because we only have something like 40 or so guys uh, with accepted invites at this point. But he's one who definitely will be one we watch very closely there. There's a ton of offensive tackles in this class, too, that we're high on. It's definitely a very yes. deep offensive line class oh, at the top end, too. That at is... the top end. Like, there are going to be a handful going in the first round. Josh Jones is going to be one of them, I'm sure. And then now, I, I, while you're doing that, I pulled a little bit more of the stats on Curtis Weaver. Looking at, in uh, over the last Let's three go. years, top single season pass rush win rates. The top one in, uh, over the last three years, 2018, Curtis Weaver. Top number two, uh, Curtis Weaver uh, in 2019 at 29.4%. Love then Josh Allen. Then Nick Bosa. This guy is a top yeah. some big names in, in over the last three years i think that level of production regardless of the competition you start to get excited about a prospect and then you factor in the versatility and, and the size and you said he's going to test well at the combine i mean I, i'm starting to fall in love with this kid the more i talk about him yeah i mean they're like <laughs> i i 
like I said, that's why he keeps moving up the boards because I have not seen a tackle block him mm-hmm. this year. Just like no one's been. He able doesn't to. lose, and exactly. when you don't lose, you're just going to continue to fly up boards here. Let's move to another Can't offensive tackle, another first round talent according to your board here, number thirty two, Jedrick Wills Jr., the Alabama offensive tackle who looks great in the run game, very explosive. I love this guy's movement skills, and that's what I look at at offensive tackle too. I think in the mm-hmm. past, maybe when I was a little bit younger, you look at size and like kind of this like strength to impose your will and this grit. But I, I want an athlete now. I want yes. an athlete with a great 10-yard split, a guy that moves very quickly, like we saw with uh, Andre Dillard of Washington State, a guy that has mm-hmm. a great kick step. That's what I think I see with Jedrick Wills. I think he's going to test out uh, at the combine, going to put up some numbers that are, you know, Lane Johnson-esque in mm-hmm. terms of probably going to run like a 4 8 That's a name I thought of. Going to have a, uh, a ridiculous vertical. Like he just has that explosiveness to his game. Uh, is more explosive to me than either Andrew Thomas or Tristan Wirfs. Those guys, freaks in their own right. Wills, to me, That's saying a lot. <laughs> uh, is probably the freak most freakish in terms of just movement skills of them. Still gets a little overexcited. Still loves to get you know get go for that kill shot, whether it's in pass pro or in the run game. It's not a, a nearly as polished as either Wirfs or Thomas, but I, the tools are there to work with, and we've seen the improvement from him from last year to this year. It goes from a 63.1 pass, run block grade last year to 92.2 this year highest in all of college football we've seen him make the necessary improvements and again only a true junior i think it's like i said the reason we think this is a rare class for the offensive line position for the tackle position is because these guys are doing it so young mm-hmm. you rarely see guys doing it uh grading out as well as they are guys like tristan Wirfs, andrew thomas jedrick wills also as juniors as mm-hmm. you know third year players in college football off the line just has this, such a learning curve that guys the light switch flips on as seniors as redshirt seniors even quentin nelson coming out was a senior mm-hmm. so you don't see that those rare guys doing it this early that's why we love this tackle class yeah and usually these like kind of in-season lists or in-season draft boards you're seeing uh, for in terms of offensive linemen redshirt seniors five-year start or four-year starters like these guys that have mm-hmm. played over you know 60 games or whatever it's no it's some young guys mm-hmm. the guys that are still getting better as we speak and all of that stuff Jedrick Will is one of them um, let's move forward number 37 Utah quarterback Jalen Johnson rising a bit on your board yeah Jalen Johnson I was Worried about he was just jumpy on a lot of routes last year. I worried about whether whether it was really playmaking ability or if he was just a guesser. And I think someone like Vernon Hargraves coming out got exposed as a guesser at times in his career at Florida, mm-hmm. not necessarily a playmaker. And then he goes to the NFL and we've seen how that worked out. He's but, not in the NFL anymore. Yeah. But, <laughs> For but now. Jalen Johnson. Um, I had that question mark for him, so it was kind of a mid-round grade heading into this year. But I think we've seen enough to where I think he has legit playmaking ability. He legitimately, whether it's you know combination of film study and putting it into action, legitimately has those instincts to not be biting on double moves, not be getting torched deep, but also making plays on the football. Every year of his career, three years as you know, one or two and a half kind of years as a starter now, has allowed a passer rating under 60 in every single season of his career. Pat, uh, completion percentage against over the course of his career only 48.6 I think he's just a playmaker and so he moves up to 37th on the big board possibly working his way in the first round conversation you know what I loved about that you know evaluation that little run on Jalen Johnson you didn't mention length or size and that's what he's got he that length and size yeah. but there's more to him than that I think mm-hmm. it's easy to lean on length and size at the cornerback position and say you know this is why he can have success in the NFL but that those instincts the consistency I think passer rating when targeted one of PFS metrics that I think we heavily used for cornerbacks when you have a low passer rating when targeted it speaks to consistency not giving up big plays not giving up touchdowns over a course of a long period of time and when you're able to do that across what you said two and a half years as a starter it's very impressive to do that it's it's, it speaks to not giving up plays also a lot of ball skills too you got to get interceptions to drag that thing down so i think that's very impressive for jaylon johnson staying in utah staying with the utes here edge defender one of the guys i really like i know he's not a freaky athlete like some of the other guys in this class but Technicians, I have I have a little thing for technicians. Guys that are so good with their hands and win with their hands and polish. Bradley Anae, the edge defender for Utah, does just that. He sits at number forty-eight on PFF's latest uh, big board. Yeah, and we've talked about it before. How just because you're not, um, you know, high end, just because you're not Cleo Mack, Von Miller, athletically, doesn't mean you have a necessarily a, a low ceiling. Mm-hmm. You can still be a very good player. We've seen guys like Jabal Sheard be. A, 
elite sort of in that tier of pass rushers uh, without top tier athleticism. I think that's what we could see from Bradley Anay at the next level. And the thing is, he's made a huge leap from last year to this year in terms of pass rushing grade, which was 79.1 last year, 91.0 this year. And they did it against Trey Adams. He did it against NFL competition, 11 pressures in that game against Washington uh, a couple weeks ago. So for the, you know, those two reasons, I think he's making his way up our big board. Number 48 overall, still, you know, I, I'm still not putting him in that top group of the, you know, Aquar, Weaver, Epinesa, Young, the guys that are, we see as first rounders. But I think he's, if you get him in the second round, I feel very good about getting a guy like that. Moving to the next guy on this list. And this is a guy that when I watched, I didn't fall in love with as much as you do, but you really do like oh, this, guy. this guy. And down the stretch, he's grading really well across a high target volume for San Jose, San Jose State. I'm talking about wide receiver Trey Walker, number 10 for them. And Trey Walker, I think, doesn't have to declare this year. He can come back, come yeah. back to school, and I think that makes sense, especially when you're coming out of the group of five. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's tough to come out of the group of five as an underclassman with a year of eligibility and try and break. But you have him right now, number 64 overall on the big board. You like this guy's skill set. You think he's a legit wide receiver. Yeah, Trey Walker averaging well over 100 yards a game since coming uh, back from injury to start the season here. Uh, 14 broken tackles on 59 catches so far this year. So good after the catchability. And I love his route running. That, that's why he is number 64 overall. Like he's only 5'11", 175. He's not a big dude by any means, but he is a creative route runner, separates at a high level. Yes, competition level is not great, but I mean, he, he went for 12 catches for 161 against Arkansas. That's an SEC team. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we forgot, I mean, they're not a great SEC team. But I think some have SEC forgot. Team. I think Arkansas <laughs> has forgot. Exactly there. But yeah, Trey Walker, I, I truly believe that he is one of the sleeper-esque wide receivers in this class, similar to uh, Deontay Johnson. From Ooh, uh-oh. Not, not putting I'm him diving in into this kid after yet, this podcast. Yeah. I am going to watch all of Trey Walker's targets, and if I don't come away impressed, I might push you on the ground. I don't know. I had to get aggressive at some point. Let's go Jamie Honestly. Newman, number 66, the Wake Forest quarterback who's taken on Clemson this week. We'll preview that matchup later in the podcast. Um, but Jamie Newman, big-time throw Jamie Newman. This guy's got a ton of big-time throws, has that high end. I love his ball placement on those vertical leads. When we watch those throws together yeah. really impressed with his ball placement down the field and that's what gets everyone excited about at the office at pff offices when you're a quarterback that's accurate with the football throwing down the field like joe burrow is mm-hmm. we get excited because that's what translates in the nfl and that's what creates those big plays in the nfl give me jamie newman uh, he's to me he's a better version of jalen hurts he's what people kind of want jalen hurts to oh, be jamie wow. newman is better that version of jalen hurts more accurate with the football down the football field and we watched tape with uh, Bruce Gregkowski me and him watched tape last week on him last night or last week we were chilling together uh, at, at the crib no we were just watching tape of him for uh, a different video that we did and he was like I love his ball placement his ball placement down the football field in you know you're not all it's not always going to be clean when you're throwing down the football field especially at the NFL level you're not always going to have guys wide open that you're throwing to they can just hit in stride and that sometimes you're going to have to get creative with where you throw it because you know the DB is right on the hip of your wide receiver you're going to have to put it in a place where only your wide receiver can catch it in those situations this year for Rake Force he's been exceptional I love where he's putting the ball on the wide receiver's leverage when he does take those chances down the football field and that's a big part of playing in the NFL, and he has that and has shown that already. Again, another guy with another year of eligibility, but a 90.8 passing grade this year. Dude's been excellent. We're going to preview the Clemson matchup later, but that's going to be big for his eval. I don't think he's necessarily... I mean, I think he could end up coming out this year if he continues this down the stretch. You know, looking at his ball placement on those throws, 15 or more air yards. He ranks inside the top 20 in PFS ball turning accuracy percentage. Limited, on, uh, uh, doesn't have a high uncatchable inaccuracy percentage. I like that ball placement. I like when the numbers match up some of the film study with Bruce Gradkowski late night. Um, but that's great for Jamie Newman. Let's move forward here. I think I think he does come back to school, though. It's, yes. I, I think he comes back to school and has a chance at, you know, let's go high in the draft. Let's go top mm-hmm. five because this guy puts together another season of 90-plus PFF passing grade play, that sounds very nice. I, I think that could be very good for Jamie Newman in, in 2021. He's not going to be on Trevor Lawrence's level, but I think you can get yourself in the first round conversation a mm-hmm. lot easier in next year's class. Let's go here to Marlon Davidson, edge for Alabama. No, Auburn, sorry. Yes, uh, Auburn, edge defender, but he's like 
not quite. He's like 280. This dude's huge. Uh, he's like 6'3", 280. He could kick inside and play three technique. Kind of does for them at times there. Uh, but he is very powerful. I think if you're a team that runs a 4-3, you're going to covet this guy highly or, and just wants to stop the run because he is a he rocks offensive lineman backwards and has a little bit of quicks at that size, really taking his pass rush to the next level at this, this year, 88.8 pass rushing grade already matched his pressure total from all of 2018 has 34 pressures on the year three or more pressures in every game but Oregon which has one of the best offensive lines yeah. in football and he still had two pressures in that game so he's multiple pressures every single game uh, he's pretty legit uh, 67 overall he's working his way up our board didn't make our last 75 but what we've seen from him had a dominant outing against Florida seven pressures in that one I think he's continuing to rise that's great, and when you're that You'll big, be and, and when you're that big, and you're winning as a pass rusher, it's easy to start to fall in love. It's mm-hmm. when you're that big and you can't rush the passer is when you fall down draft boards. Yeah. Let's go to number seventy-seven, a guy I really like who's coming off an absolute stellar game against Penn State, formerly number four Penn State, Antoine Winfield Jr. of yeah. Minnesota, the safety there. Antoine Winfield's son, love love that. You know the instincts are there mm-hmm. too. I feel like this guy knows football very very well. He has that vision head start we speak to that VHS where maybe he's not like a freaky athlete from a range standpoint, but range is a combination of those instincts and that vision and that play recognition and good speed. He has a ton of those instincts and good enough speed to get there. He has two traits that I love for a safety. The first being is an excellent tackler in space, like his angles to the football, the way he wraps up. He's a very, very good tackler. Uh, only nine misses on uh, 70 attempts over the past uh, two years. That's a pretty good rate for a safety. Uh, and the other thing is the way he tracks the ball in the air down the football field. He's had two picks this year that you just don't see a lot of safeties make. One was the play against Penn State this past week on the uh, corner post where he kind of, you know, has kind of looks at the corner uh goes is off coverage and quarters uh kind of bites on the corner out and then flips around runs hip to hip with a wide receiver and then beats him at the catch point that play was exceptional and then he you know play against fresno state where he's in uh cover two and actually uh bites on the bites on a post route in the middle of the field but it wasn't actually uh his route that gets thrown to they throw a wheel down the sideline he goes uh, and immediately gets back to that ball for the pick in that Fresno State game. If you have you know access to the internet, go watch both those picks. They were great. Pause so. right now. <laughs> I, I, I love I love for safeties too. I think we see it with with like the elite safeties, the guys that can really make a difference at the next level. A bite and rally because some of the best plays in PFF's grades. I look at you know when you're looking at some of these like t- tagged as like 1.0, 1.5 grades, or even twos. Um, you're looking at guys that bite on something in front and then are able to turn their hips and rally. Recover. back to where they're supposed yes. to get recover that I do love a little bite and rally from mm-hmm. Antoine Winfield got me really excited on a Thursday so he's makes his way into I think he's a, was he third uh, safety on our board now so there we go and you said it's a weak safety class weak safety. and when you brought up sure tackler I heard you under your breath dragging Grant Delpit. I, didn't, <laughs> I don't think anyone appreciated that that's not really cool we're gonna dive into him here a little bit later but before we got one more riser here and he's a micro brew yes. little two for one do love a two for one Matt Hennessy, the center for Temple, if I'm not center mistaken. for Temple, and he's he might be the most athletic center in this class. The dude can fly, uh, whether it's getting linebackers at the next level, you know, reaching you know, three techniques. He just bursts off the line of scrimmage, super quick, little undersized, but it really hasn't affected him in pass pros grades over the last three seasons. Pass protection is 86.6, 90.7, 84.4 4 this year. He's been exceptional in pass protection as well and so i love his i just think that game if you're that quick and athletic at the center position it's something that you need in today's nfl an athletic center can help you out so much in the screen game uh in a bunch of different ways and you know being scheme versatile at the nfl level like garrett bradbury and jason kelsey that level of athlete (laughs) though has you know has opportunity in the run game and like you said the screen game pass protection if you're that level of athlete you, you need also some strength and yeah. some base to not get mm-hmm. bullied in pass protection. But uh, it sounds like he's grading out really well for Temple. Um, all right. We've had enough positives here. Let's go down to the downers. Let's go to the sliders in the big board, starting with the guy we've kind of dragged a little bit on the Tuesday podcast. Mentioned his name again when we brought up a sure tackler. This guy is the opposite. Grant Delpit. LSU, the tackling is a problem. Yes, I like the range. Yes, I like the game-changing, you know, game-breaking ability in, in coverage. But 
when this guy's coming up to tackle, he's missing a third of his tackles right now. That is unacceptable. He slides down to number 16 on the big board. Yeah, number 16 because he's missed almost a third of his tackles. It was, we were saying it earlier in the year, it's like, if you're a bad tackler, uh, you it's not going to move the needle too much. You know, the coverage ability is still king. And I mean, it still is. He's still the number one safety on our board. But it's going to start moving the needle when you're an outlierly bad tackle, if that's even a word. Uh, when you're that bad to where you're you're just going to be a liability. You're going to change plays that aren't that aren't supposed to be big plays into big plays. Uh, maybe that weren't your coverage, but someone else's coverage that you're trying to make up for because, you know, it's still uh, a very much a team game. If you can't finish those plays, you're just you're going to be costing your team points. And so I think Grant Elpit, with that tackling uh, ability, is just scary at this point. Unfortunate for him. Let's talk about Florida State defensive interior. Marvin Wilson, I like this guy. He's sliding down the board. Talk to me about why. He's sliding down the board because he's just not looked the same dominant player we saw earlier on the season. Starts off the season, three straight 90-plus grades has not had one since and has only had a handful of pressures over the past few weeks. I just think he's almost slowing. I I worry about him holding up to a big workload because he's played almost as many snaps this year already as he played all of last season. He's playing more snaps than ever before already 509. That's 14th most in the country among defensive tackles. And over the past uh, five weeks here, he only has six pressures. He just has not been that same effectiveness on that large workload has worn down seemingly over the course of the year. And if a guy wears down over the course of the year, it's only going to get worse at the NFL level. We've seen it happen uh, and it happens more at defensive tackles than a lot of other positions because of the weight, because of the strain that it takes. So him wearing down over the course of this year is definitely concerning. And that's why he's moved down our board. A guy that I'm surprised that still is in the top 100 slid down your board a bit, though. Tight end Cheyenne O'Grady, former Arkansas tight end. He's no longer in college football, Mike. Yeah. But you still believe in this kid as a talent. I, I still do. 65th on our draft board, higher than a lot of other tight ends, lower than I'd like him to be if he didn't have any off-field issues. I mean, I think he's fantastic in terms of uh, his athleticism, his ability to get open. Now, I'm not sure if you just leave school, if you can still get a combine invite. If I, I think he probably will still get that, but he's uh, the the red flags are definitely there. Uh, I still I still believe in talent, though, mm-hmm. and I still think he has to at least to to be as good as he is at the receiver position. He probably has a work ethic. He probably just has uh, some maturity issues. That is what it seems like to get over. Now, will he get over him? I don't know, but. <laughs> I still believe in the talent that's there. I tried to get him on the podcast to get through some of these maturity issues, but he deleted, his Twitter. deleted his Twitter. Dude. So I don't know how to reach out to this guy. It's unfortunate. Uh, I, I think, you know, he has an opportunity in the interview process to maybe put to bed some of these maturity issues. I mean, I don't, I don't know stuff. if you can do that. Uh, like, I'll just say, I don't know if leaving school, you can just be like, yeah, the coaches hated me. Like, there's no, there's yeah, no yeah, excuse. Yeah. The, the only thing that you could really say was, I made, these were mistakes. Yes. I'm not going to make them. Exactly. I don't, if you in yeah. an interview and he's like, yeah, those people screwed me. You, it's already like, okay, you're <laughs> done, dude. Like, at a certain point, like, I feel like. Everybody's bring, fault, but mine. I hate to bring up my dad here, but we're going to bring up my dad. My dad, three divorces. And somehow it's always their fault. That, do, that doesn't make any sense. At a certain point, you might be the issue. It's What's not really the, working fool, for fool you. Fool me once, shame on me. What's the yeah? So you, something you, like that. You're getting there close, but I'm saying you at a certain point, it. you have a number of divorces. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of your fault too. You're probably not that great either. So that's an interesting one. Maybe that's where we're at with Cheyenne O'Grady. Um, hate to bring up the dad. That's where we're at. Uh, Jonathan Greenard, edge defender for Florida. He slides down to number 74. Had a very good start to the year. That Georgia game, though, when you're not doing it against top competition, it makes it hard to really you know push you into the conversation high up in the draft. It's like. Yeah, the Auburn and the Georgia games, when we face better tackles, you just couldn't win the edge. Just mm-hmm. no wins off the edge, and you have to win the edge at the NFL level. You either have to be an elite bull rusher or win the edge, because often the tackles in the NFL, they don't leave the inside, they don't leave the inside move open for you unless you are an elite sort of athlete that can win the edge. They only do that if they're worried about you getting to the edge on them. And so he has after that excellent start, you know, Suns Miami owns uh, Tennessee a, a few weeks later on. Uh, his house on fire hasn't had a sack, though, since those games uh, and just has not produced in the pa- as a pass rusher. So he drops down to 74. Still love his work in the run game. Still love his hands. Still think there's something there, but it's not something I'd take too highly. There you go. Off the board completely. Off the top 100. Oh. Uh, he's not off the board completely. Off the top 100. Safety for Notre Dame. Aloha Gilman goes yes. down. Oh, talk to me. I feel like some people really like this guy. What, what's <laughs> Just, so, why he's he just off the field right now. I think he's just box safety only. I had, I had some hope that he could be some Jonathan a Abram. Type yes, of 
So I had a hope they could be sort of a, a nice quarter safety. And I said, if you played, you know, if you're like the Panthers, uh, Bills, a lot, a lot of teams that run a lot of too high, you know, Denver, Fangio, uh, their safeties, uh, I I thought he could do that, but I th- he just gotten exposed more and more down the football field. I, I think he's limited to a box sort of only role. Could even develop into a linebacker if need be. But if you're a box only, that's just the value's not there. Mm-hmm. He's, I think he'd be good in that role. But again, we put Jonathan Abram, liked him as a box safety. We put him around 100 last year. Mm-hmm. So Alohi Gilman, uh, I, I don't think he's the athlete that Abram was. So I don't think he's going to make our top 100 here. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. you got to be better than you just a box it. safety. You have because to be better than just a box safety. And, and a big part of that is just being fast and not giving up big plays and being able to play that deep yeah. safety role with that range and that vision to, to make plays. But if you're getting beat deep, at free safety, it's hard to have really justify the value. That's going to do it for the board risers and fallers. Definitely go to pff.com to check out the full top 100 board. Uh, a lot of exciting stuff there. Renner puts in a ton of work with Bruce Gradkowski late at night, but also he does some on his and own. I, and, I, and we watch film too sometimes. Exactly. Grind the film. Let's move forward here to a Thursday a Thursday segment we always do. What's on tap? Where we're talking about some of the top prospect performance, or not performances, but top prospect matchups ahead of the weekend. Let's start Alabama at Mississippi State. Hold me closer, Tiny Dantzler. I was going to say, this isn't a huge game for the Bama prospects. Mm-hmm. They kind of just had that. Yeah. Like they they kind of just had their showcase. This is good for like all the Mississippi State guys exactly. who are like, let's... Willie let me- Gay, Cameron Dantzler. We got to see from them against very good offense. Two attacking mm-hmm. by Lowe is going to be looking to tear. And then you also got a great receiving core, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith. This is an opportunity if you're Dantzler, who's yep. been good to start the season, to really establish yourself as a big name. That's because if he comes in here, locks up, uh, you know, either whether it's Judy or who's lined up across, I think that's a huge opportunity for scouts to come back to this tape and say, wow, this guy really knows what he's doing. That's the thing, because Dantzler doesn't have elite speed. I think he's going to run somewhere around uh, four or five. Uh, that's just who I see him athletically, but he has elite length. Better be low and four I, fives. If it's high four or fives, I'm not, not going to be super excited I don't know. We'll that. see about that. But I, he has elite length, and I love his instincts, and he's one of the, like I said, the only of the few corners didn't get torched by LSU. Maybe the only corner who hasn't gotten torched by LSU this year. Two catches on four targets for 13 yards in that game and had himself a pass break. Compared to Trayvon Diggs, that guy got torched exactly. against LSU. So... This will be, you know, and it could be one of the few corners who doesn't get torched now against Alabama. And if you don't, if you're holding up against, you know, the Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, two, uh, and Jerry Judy's of the world, we'll, we'll, we'll start to talk even a little bit more seriously. 30 might be too low mm-hmm. at that point uh, for him. So I, I do think Cameron Dantzler, huge showcase game for him. Still skinny, though. He's still like, I'd still love for him to add like 10 pounds. He's listed at 285. Orange Theory every day to not to be skinny. <laughs> Let Cameron Dantzler go to Orange Theory. He burns a thousand calories. Is a sesh. Okay, the guy's he, in elite shape. I um, mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to play corner in the NFL. Though. Fair, totally fair. I mean, maybe he's not either. I don't maybe, know, but it seems <laughs> like he probably should. Either. That should be his goal at this point, for but. sure. Well, he's going to add some beef to his frame. Mm-hmm. You get to an NFL, you know, NFL team, they're going to his those stats over the course of his career now are absurd. He has allowed a 37.9 passer rating for his career. Wow, Cameron Dancer. that's very good. That's career. That's you know, multiple years of starting in the SEC, which. If you have, if you've forgotten, SEC is a good conference. Mm-hmm. Like everyone, Arkansas likes to, has everyone likes to remind everyone, else everyone likes to remind you that the SEC is good. They're good. So let's talk about the linebackers too. Willie Gay Jr. and Earl Thompson, two athletic linebackers mm-hmm. for Mississippi State. Two guys you really like. This is an opportunity for one stop Najee Harris and see what they can do against the yes. run. But also, Alabama does a ton over the middle, and I think mm-hmm. they're going to get involved in coverage and have opportunities to tackle in space, defend some of these low low crossers. And I think that's very exciting for those linebackers. Obviously, they have to step up to the play but if you can play well against Alabama we've said it about every team and every prospect mm-hmm. you're going to be viewed higher in higher regard when it comes to uh turning back on the tape yeah I need to see Willie Gage on the field he's played 88 snaps this year he just uh got suspended had the injuries whatever uh he's probably not coming out because of all that but I still like think this is a good showcase for him he'll be you know probably matched up on Judy at some point because of just how they run uh that offense so that'll be good for him but Errol Thompson is the one who needs to do show me a little more to raise his draft stock because he looks like an NFL linebacker like built ideal build six one two fifty rocked up explosive hashtag looks the part hashtag looks the part hashtag hasn't played the part <laughs> this season so far uh it's just kind of exposing coverage and just kind of uh I worry about his change of direction at this point you know he's not smooth going backwards which as a linebacker a lot of times the the most high leverage plays you're going to make, you're going to be going backwards. You're going to be either backpedaling or having to turn and run. He hasn't looked the greatest doing that. He's good in front of him. 
worry about that. We need a soundbite or a buzzer for any time someone says looks the part or fun to watch. I think that's some of my favorites. Um, let's go. Another matchup here. here Daryl Williams versus Raekwon Davis. Strength on strength. Yes. This should be very good. Well, Daryl Williams, his lack of strength has yeah. been his... Is calling is what's been an issue for him this year uh, at the center position. He just doesn't have man. He's just so slight. Like he's just so the lack of power is so evident. And he is athletically. He's like on the Matt Hennessy level. He is a he's smooth. He gets off the line of scrimmage so well. He his location ability in space is second to none in this class among interior linemen. But you you have to have some sort of power to play in the NFL. You're just going to get murdered by nose tackles. Uh, Linval Joseph will just you know, eat lunch repeatedly. You're just, you're not going to lose every single rep against guys that are that powerful at the NFL. If you don't have that baseline of strength, which he just has to prove at this point. So going up against Raquan Davis, big, strong dude, long dude. Monster. Gonna be, the yeah. dude's huge. Yep. Yeah. So that's going to be, gonna be a nice test. Williams. Yeah. Good test. Um, let's go to the next game here on this list. Wake Forest at Clemson. Like we said earlier, Wake Forest, 34 and a half point dogs right now against that's Clemson. An absurd I, line. It's just an absurd line. I'm, I'm saying right now it's an absurd. That's line. Wake Forest should be. I mean, they, that should be posted all over their locker room. They got to come <laughs> into this game being like 34 and a half. Well, we're going to lose by like seven. Hey, we're not going to win. But we're we're going <laughs> to lose by seven tonight, boys. Let's go. Uh, starting, uh, let's start it off. We're going to chug the prospect later, but Sage Surratt will not be playing in this no, game. He had to have surgery on his shoulder. Um, he's done for the year. Without him, let's focus on some other prospect matchups. Isang Bassey versus Trevor Lawrence, the safety for Wake Forest. Trevor Lawrence does such a great job with his decision making. If you can mm-hmm. get a pick against Trevor Lawrence, bait him into something nice. That's the thing. So, the house. So, so Bassey switched from corner to safety, the popular switch when you the Juan Thornhill. When you or when or when you think you're so is Levante Taylor, Bassey, both made that switch because they're they're five ten. Mm-hmm. They're five five ten, five nine. They're short. They see, you know, we're not going to be outside boundary corners. Mm-hmm. That's not what the NFL wants. Let me switch to safety. Uh, it's not as easy as it looks. His coverage grade went from 84.9 last year to 68.2. He, he had, you know, double digit pass breakups each of the past two seasons, only has three this year. So it's not, you know, the easiest move in the world. I don't, I'd argue but safety I think the, doesn't even look that easy. To be. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't I think that the, easy the talent is still there, though. And, and I think if we see him make some, you know, splash plays, you see him make the high level plays we've talked about Antoine Winfield making, you see those on tape from safety position you're going to feel better about him translating to the next level so a good game for him because i mean you know clemson's going to be throwing the ball around the yard yeah they're going to be throwing the ball deep at you so this will be a nice little showcase for him he hasn't been torched deep he hasn't like had a bunch of bad plays on tape but we just haven't seen the high high level plays let's see some high level i I think speaking about our top 100 though 95. Oh, wow. Talking about safety play overall and evaluating that position, I think something that we constantly bring up, whether it's Ashton Davis or um, the safety we just mentioned that's losing me, um, Antoine Winfield, Antoine Winfield Jr. It's those splash plays. It's seeing it on tape in small sample sizes, but your ability to go attack the football, show off range, and go make a play. Well, it's, it's that with also not getting torched. Yes. So it's like you can't just be jumping routes willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. You have to do that without giving up the bad plays. You know, true, that sort true. of thing. That's a good point. All right, move forward here. Jamie Newman, we already talked about him a ton earlier in the podcast, but he's going against a legit Clemson defense. This yes. is going to be his first big test. Again, 34 and a half point dogs. This guy's got to try and find a way to put up points, but I, I think he's undervalued at this point. He goes into this game with his ability and its accuracy on downfield throws. I, I'm, I'm excited for him. I think he can put points against this Clemson D. Yeah, so Newman this year has not had a single game, single game passing grade below 70. Not one. So Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow has had one, and it was like 69 point whatever. So it was barely below 70, but he has basically been above average every single game this season. Now, the best defense they faced is probably Virginia Tech. So it's not like you're facing world beaters defensively. This is this will be the best defense he faces. This will be again we say the tape you come back to on a guy when he faces the best team he's going to face. And so what can he do? I mean that remains to be seen. I, I think he'll play well though. Like I think that thirty four and a half point line we keep coming back to is just absurd at mm-hmm. this point for them. All right, Carlos Basham uh, Jr. Carlos Basham Jr., the edge defender for Wake Forest. He's going to be going against Jackson Carmen, a very good offensive tackle for Clemson. This is an opportunity for him, who has had a very good year, racked up a ton of pressures, but do it yeah. against legit competition. You've seen what happens, Jonathan Greenard, when you go against good competition and suck. Carlos Basham does this. He's going to be sliding down. He needs to have a good game. And this is a big one for him because Basham, to me, is kind of he's just a power player. Like, mm-hmm. he is enormous. He's also a little bit of a bull in a china shop. Yes. He definitely like, runs So he's bit. got 
the comp for me was Marcus Davenport in terms of like he's going to just overpower you and that's going to be his thing. And with Marcus Davenport, it worked at UTEP. Uh, I believe it's UTEP, right? Or mm-hmm. U- no, UTSA. UTSA. Sorry, Jesus. Same. You suck. They're, they're all both in Texas. No one likes you. Um, worked at UTSA against worst competition. Start at the Senior Bowl. It didn't translate really well. Year one didn't translate really well in the NFL. Now it's starting to come around. He's starting to figure out, you know, how to actually put some uh, technique behind his bull rush and that sort of thing. Jackson Carmen is an ox. Mm-hmm. 6'5", 345. He's been excellent in pass pro this year. Only a sophomore. Uh, he's going to be a top prospect coming uh, out in a couple of years or next year. Uh, seven pressures allowed all season long. So I don't think he's going to cede much ground to the bull rush. I don't think that's going to be an option for Carlos Basham in this game. So do you have that sort of do you counter. have a plan B? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you have a counter? Do you have something else in that bag of tricks that you can use? Uh, remains to be seen. This would be a good showcase, though. Let's move on to this next matchup. Last one of Clemson Wake Forest. We have Justin Huron, the senior offensive tackle mm-hmm. for Wake Forest, who's allowed just six total pressures this year. He should be seeing a fair amount of Xavier Thomas, who I'll say this right now has struggled from the pass rushing perspective, not draft eligible until yeah. 2022. But you look at this guy, 68.1 PFF pass rush grade, only 21 total pressures. This is an opportunity to go against a good offensive tackle, only six pressures allowed all year and have yourself a day. Cause when you can do it against good competition, the spotlight starts to draw to you. Yeah. Heron's uh, Heron's an all right prospect. He's probably a mid to late rounder at this point. Obviously, doing it against Thomas could help. But I'm actually more excited to see Thomas because he was the five star. He was the guy who, as a freshman last year, had an 84.2 pass rushing grade, 26 pressures, was dominating for Clemson in that limited role. But he comes back as a sophomore and not only has not ma- taken that next step that a lot of people thought. Like I put, Jesus, I put a uh, vault me tweet out last year that said he was going to be a top five pick after watching him as a freshman. That's how good I thought he was, vault which me. I don't use the hashtag vault me lightly. Hashtag vault me means uh, I, I, you can put it in the vault because I think this is a sure lock, you know, going to happen sort of thing. 68.1 pass rushing grade this year, though. It I has spot. not been. Now he's had some injuries. Uh, he's missed some time. But, dude, that's ugh. I'm like, I'm getting scared because I don't think I've missed on a vault me yet. I've only used like six. Oh, vault here me's. we go. But I haven't missed on a vault me because when I say vault me, I mean it. Yeah, you said and it like this 70 might be my, times in the last five minutes. So this might be like my first vault me miss. <laughs> Jeez. Um, let's move forward to the next game here. Vault me on this. Uh, Minnesota at Iowa. They got Tristan Wirfs and Alaric Jackson. He's going to going against, those guys are going to be going against Carter Coughlin, a guy that had a slow start to the year, but has earned high PFF pass rush grades in years prior and is starting to gain steam. So the reason I'm looking forward to this matchup and seeing this breakdown is one because Carter Coughlin, like you said, started against team. He's, he's played a lot better since those early season struggles uh, already has tw- uh, 27 pressures over the past four games. So he's turned it on in big 10 play. And the only team that really gave Tristan Wirfs issues this year, the only time he looked like he struggled in pass protection was against Michigan and guys with a little quickness at that defensive end position, Karkoff has quickness. Doesn't that power? You're not going to worry about his bull rush, but he has quickness. That's the one thing he does win with. So we'll see if, if that gives Worf's issues. That's that's concerning because guys guys only get quicker. Hashtag vault me. Um, let's move forward to uh, another vault matchup. That matchup. <laughs> you didn't um, bring this matchup up, but Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman have both had very good starts to this year. They're both mm. grading at a high level. Rashad Bateman not eligible for the 2020 NFL draft, but he's been a fake ID in previous dude. podcasts. And they're going against a good Iowa secondary. Geno Stone is a name that people mm-hmm. have thrown around, but also guy who's eligible for the 2020 draft, Michael OJ Maduya. I or. OJ Mudia is probably how it's going to go. But um, he's only allowed a 47.6 passer rating when targeted this year, has earned a 78.1 coverage grade. I think it's an opportunity. Iowa's secondary, who's always coached very well. We've seen that with Desmond King and others coming out of Iowa, uh, even Amani Hooker. I think uh, it's an opportunity. It's a good test for Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. I think I'm looking forward to that matchup. Dude, Bateman's fun to watch. He'll be that. A lot of people want to say what the what the we want to look ahead that 2021 wide receiver class. I'm not going to say it's on the level of this class, but it could be if we see some guys return to school. Mm-hmm. We see like Jan Rager, Trey could, Walker, and oh yeah, Trey Walker return to school. If Trey Walker can return to school, dude. It's over first round no. lock. <laughs> <laughs> if we get some of these guys return to school, it could very well be better than this year's class. Really? Who's the top of the Who's the top of the class? Justin Ross, yeah, Rashad Bateman, Jamar Chase. I uh, love Jamar Chase. Yeah. Jamar Chase is legit. There are some 
dudes in that class. Rondale Moore mm-hmm. as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jalen Waddle. There's a lot of talent in that class. Devontae Smith, if he returns? Because I think Devontae Smith could return, and he could be even better. Although I bet he goes out after you put up 200 yards against LSU. You probably should go. Have out. you so, seen his face though? Like his picture of his face. dude looks like he's, he's sixteen kidding. years old. Yeah, I and mean, we have Anthony Tresh out there, one of our colleagues who's twenty, he and he looks he looks younger than Anthony Tresh, which is a little <laughs> wild. Um, that's going to do it for our What's on Tap segment where we preview some of those top prospect matchups. A lot of fun there. Definitely uh, vault us on all of those if you can. Is hashtag vault us a thing? No. Okay. Well, I'll never say it again. I apologize. Don't take. Don't take my. <laughs> Uh, don't vault me on that pronunciation of OJ Medu- <laughs> Medu- yeah, that was oh, terrible. No no that, one. That, that was terrible. Um, draft specials. Let's talk about some of these top rookie matchups to watch. These are we always do this every Thursday. We're looking at rookies to watch in, uh, this upcoming week. NFL Week Eleven. Let's start with Ed Oliver, who's had who's created some havoc in the trenches for Buffalo. Probably, probably not had the season some expected him to, but he has a good matchup this week going against the Miami Dolphins de- uh, uh, interior offensive line, starting with fellow rookie. Michael, Michael Dieter, I think he feasts this week. Yeah, this should be, if there's going to be a favorable matchup for you, this should be the week, and, and you should be playing you would think with the lead, so you get a lot of obvious pass rushing situations, but over the past uh, four weeks now, he's only had five pressures at Oliver. It really hasn't, he kind of started off hot, had five pressures week one, hasn't come close to replicating that, though, any week during the season, so yeah, we just want to see. You want to see if it doesn't happen this week, that's worrisome, because this is a Trash offensive line. It's Absolutely. bad Absolutely. for the Miami Dolphins. Only the not Cincinnati Bengals is worse, right? Fault me, they're bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not been good for them. So this is one where you just got to see the guy win. Absolutely. Let's go Eric McCoy, center for the New Orleans Saints, going against the big boy. The big fatty, Vita Vea. The dude's a monster. Did you watch him against the Arizona Cardinals just eating people alive? I, I come away really impressed. I feel like his tape is awesome because how he wins is so emphatic and so like dominant that when he wins, you just get more excited than when others yeah, win. It's not like so an Aaron true. Donald win. Aaron Donald, when he beat David DeCastro, I don't know if you saw that highlight, but quick swim go, goes right behind, right, right, right by him really early off the snap. But Vita Vea is like killing people's like firstborn children on, at the line of scrimmage, just bur- murdering people people and um, he's, he's uh, okay here we go hashtag fun to watch yeah. he's going against Eric McCoy rookie has a handful coming at him yeah so the first matchup uh, that these two had only allowed one pressure in that game uh, so that was good now, one of the worst one of the lowest grade is actually the lowest graded pass rush performance for Vita Vea all season Uh-oh. long so McCoy held his own but you know now now you got the tape on now Vita Vea is like oh this is how he sets that's how you know that's how it feels you got to do it <laughs> the second time around can you do it twice if you do it twice hey you got a guy's number so I, do, I I'm excited to I see like this that. matchup can I get your number uh, <laughs> moving forward rookie on rookie Brian Burns first. <laughs> edge defender for Carolina the rookie who has not had a ton of success since switching to the opposite side of, of mm-hmm. the edge defender there letting Bruce Irvin play left um, then you also have uh, Caleb McGarry the rookie for Atlanta yeah, Falcons this an actual very, rookie yeah, on rookie this matchup, is a little yeah. rook on rook a little two for one talk to me about this matchup yeah so he had the wrist surgery also during the bye week Brian Burns did a couple weeks back uh, and that's also played a factor I think in his decline here and didn't even like play this past week against the Packers because of it only 11 snaps this past week didn't have a single pressure uh, on his six pass rushes in that game that was a tough matchup Bakhtiar and Blaga one of the best tackle duos but this should be you know if he if he is rushing and rushing off the left side against Caleb McGarry in this one this would be a game where he should feast you would hope he feasts now uh, hopefully he's back healthy hopefully the wrist isn't an issue and hopefully he does play but yeah, it would be a nice, uh, just a fun rookie matchup to watch. do love a fun rookie matchup to watch. Jamel Dean coming off a career day. Yeah, absolute he's just career to... day. This is a good one to highlight because he's going to, be against, going to be going against a very good Saints offense with Drew Brees, even though they didn't look that good against Atlanta this uh-huh. past week. Jamel Dean earned a very high P- uh, PFF coverage grade this past week. He has an opportunity to build on that. I think he has what? five passes defensed and an interception over the past two weeks. That is kind of incredible absurd. for yeah. a rookie, for a rookie. Mm-hmm. He moves weird. He looks weird. <laughs> he shouldn't be as fast as he is. He blew up the combine. I don't under, yeah. really, really understand. He looks like a linebacker playing corner, mm-hmm. but he's playing well right now. Yeah. And they like, there's one guy that the saints throw to on the outside. It's Michael Thomas. And we'll, Definitely probably Dude, see that, that matched up like against each other. Fantastic matchup to watch. So that'll be, I mean, he's one of the most creative route runners in the NFL. So 
You lock he up, you lock against, up Michael Thomas, and, and this is going to be his third game that he's played like significant snaps. You lock up Michael Thomas, so you hold him to only like two or three receptions for forty yards, and pick up a little PBU mm-hmm. or an interception. I'm, I'm get the gold. Tom, Thomas is a little different guy. animal than what the Cardinals have thrown out at wide receiver against oh, yeah. Jamel Dean. So this is mm-hmm. we'll in addition. So Michael Thomas is great creating separation. He uses his size very well. But I was looking in the stats today. He's caught twelve of fourteen contested targets. That's an absurd ratio. You only see people around 50, 60 yeah. percent. Some of the better guys, too. Some of the better guys catching 60 percent of those 50 50 balls. Dude's catching him 12 of 14. He's very good in those situations. And when you're good at that, he's good in the red zone, good on third downs. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a great matchup for Jamel Dean. This is an opportunity for him to to earn a helmet sticker. We need helmet stickers in the NFL, by the way. It's a hot take, oh, but I love helmet stickers. That's right? not a hot take. I love that take. Yeah, let's. OK, there you go. I'm glad. Uh, it's right. probably, though. Uh, against the code, uniform code. So Really? I mean, it's got to cool. be, right? Yeah. Um, that's unfortunate because I would love to see a little helmet sticker. I always said if I ever came like a high school coach, helmet stickers all day long. <laughs> it would be a lot of fun. Um, last segment of the day, chug a prospect, or I guess just the chug. And this is where we chug a prospect and talk about him in full, usually because of an injury or it's an opportunity to kind of really break down the prospect entirely. Wake Forest, Sage Surratt, we mentioned earlier in the podcast that he went down with a shoulder injury. That required surgery. He will miss the remainder of the season for Wake Forest. Um, talk to me about this prospect. Doesn't have to declare for the 2020 NFL draft, yeah, but if he does, where is he right now? Where are you evaluating him? I think he's sort of a day two guy at this point. He if if he goes to the combine and runs a four seven, I I don't think I'd be surprised. Like he is not fast, but you can you can separate in you know can separate at wide receiver without speed you just have to be creative you have to be strong uh he is both of those things and he is exceptional at the catch point 18 contested catches most in college football 18 of 30 on the air and also after the catch 17 force missed tackles on 65 catches so he is elusive has that wiggle to him uh uses his strength and his body to separate along the route tree uh, he runs a mean slant because he just gets into the corner's body throws him off from, you know, at the line of scrimmage and he gets open. He knows how to do that. So I do think he's one of those guys that could overcome that sort of lack of deep speed. He's never going to be, he's never going to be a super, he's not going to be a vertical threat. That's not what he's going to be at the next level. He's going to be more of a possession guy, but I think he can get open fairly regularly and he can make those plays down the football field. If you have a, a you know quarterback who's going to trust him that hey there he's shoulder to shoulder with the cornerback but I'm going to give him a shot because hey Sage Sherrod Duke can moss guys at the catch point I think that could be who he is at the next level I still think there's a path to success for him uh, without that speed you're not going to be super high on our board we just love to see the vertical route tree loved guys that can separate there mm-hmm. that's the way the NFL is going but he still can be a productive NFL receiver there you go I want to finish also with two gripes I had on your big board Two gripes from AG. Here. Oh God, you're surprising me with this. Antonio, I don't like. I don't go off script well. Antonio Gandy Golden over Justin Jefferson on the big board is egregious. <laughs> I, I'm really upset with that. Two a win from the outside. The, f- the fact that Washington State standout community college product, <laughs> Esau Winston Jr. Esau Winston Jr. doesn't even crack the top 100. I, it's like you don't even care about me. It's like you don't even like me. It's like you don't even agree with me ever. You don't even like even half my opinions. Hey, I just feel really put out your own top hundred. There you go. I, and Esau number the, that's one. That's the answer. Esau number answer one. And if I'm name scouting, <laughs> you ha- that's an automatic entry that into is. top one hundred. You put Dion Warren. In I there. was gonna say we need to put like a, a top twenty five name, name scout. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And we will that'll do that. Do, in that the that'll great podcast. Cl- that's I mean, just clickbait. Least. That is yeah. clickbait. Love a good clickbait. Um, well, hashtag vault me. That's gonna do it for the two. For one drafts podcast, our Thursday edition, previewing a ton of stuff. But uh, this has been great. Remember, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify, and we're live on YouTube Tuesdays and Thursdays. Thanks again. This is Austin Gale and Mike Renner, Two for One Drafts.